The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we continue to explore the language and ideas the Bible uses to describe hell, particularly in the New Testament. Then we move on to investigate how personal sin interacts with these ideas. Sin is a bad idea. It's not productive. It leads to death in many forms. Much of the biblical history of prophecy is to warn us of the dangers and inefficiency of sin and to present us with a better way. So, now we come to Matthew. Matthew uh, is the first place where Gehenna shows up. Matthew chapter 5. This is the uh, Sermon on the Mount. I'm just going to mention this, and then I'm going to spend my time in in Mark 9. Because these two episodes are really the place where we see Gehenna. And um, I'm just going to say Gehenna when when I read it. I think that's the way it ought to be translated. The translators are not allowing us to make our own interpretation when they say, Hell, it would be like if if uh, if we wrote something and and somebody said, uh, you know, Eric went to Wall Street to work, and someone comes along later and translates it and said, Eric became a thief, or Eric became corrupt, or Eric became rich. You know, so you take a stereotype of something and just so anyway, five thirty. Um, If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into Gehenna. Now let me go to Mark 9 because he says something real similar there. And this... uh, I'm going to skip the one that says, uh, don't fear the one who can kill your body, but the one who can put both body and soul in Gehenna. And I'm going to focus on this one. So there's the three episodes, so really the Sermon on the Mount, this episode, and the one where he says, don't fear the body. That's, that's where Gehenna shows up in the Gospels. That's pretty much it. So Mark 9, and let's start in chapter 30, uh, verse 33. Mark 9, 33. Then he, this is talking about Jesus, came to Capernaum. Capernaum was their headquarters city, northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And when he was in the house, he asked them. He's talking to their disciples. The disciples are walking along with him. So this is Jesus in the house with his 12 disciples. And he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourself on the road? But they kept silent because on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. So we got, they were actually the 12 Muhammad Ali's. They, 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 that, this was actually their favorite topic. You know, even, two of them even got their mom to come and try to get them the greatest thing. And, and I think this is one of the reasons God chose them. They, were, they wanted to be great, and they were willing to die for it. And he sat down. He's going to give them a lesson on greatness now. That's what's about to happen. And so he set them down, he called the twelve, and he says, If anyone desires to be first, who of them desires to be first? All of them. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Music to their ears, right? You think that's what they were disputing on the road? 
Probably not. Then he took a little child and set them in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, so you get the picture, he's got this child and he's hugging. And he says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So now, just put yourself in the disciples' shoes. You just got through arguing very vehemently. It's loud enough where Jesus hears it, right? That you are the greatest. And, and, and now you're listening to this little sermonette where Jesus says, if you serve a child, you're becoming great. How's that strike you? How's that going to sit with you? Is it going to be, oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking? Now, John answered him. This is very clever how John answers. And says, uh, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, not one of us, not one of us twelve, casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. What's he saying? So, who can, who can do something nice for a child? Who, who, all does that, who all does that qualify to be great? Anybody. Anybody, right? Even a woman. How you feel? You're chagrined right now, right? So the, so the question is, um, you're just talking about us though, right? Just among the twelve of us. That, we're not talking about just anybody here, are we, Jesus? I mean, you're just talking about us, right? Jesus said, nope, don't forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterward speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. It's really amazing here. He's really, he's really chastising them pretty severely. So the first thing he says is, uh, yep, it's actually anybody. Anybody can be great. Which, does that make you happy if you're one of these guys? It's not really what you wanted to hear. But then listen to what he does next. He who's not against us is for us. Who's, on, who's us? See, you are on my team. You, you are on my team. But this, this is a bigger game than just us. We want to serve everybody. I want you to be great by serving, but you spread it around. Anybody can be great. Because you belong to Christ, what did they do? They what? Belong to Christ. Who do these guys belong to? Christ. Are they believers? Yes. Do believers belong to Christ? They belong to Christ. Because you belong to Christ, assuredly do you say, He will by no means lose His reward. If you treat children well, you get a reward. What were they after on the road? What do they want? A great reward, right? The reward of what? Being the greatest when Jesus comes into His kingdom. I want to sit on your right hand. But by whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, he's holding a child in his arms, right? While he's saying this, he's got an object lesson going on. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. 
Does anybody know what a millstone is? It's very heavy. Okay, you use a horse to turn this giant rock, two two big pancake-shaped rocks, and the top one turns on top on, on the bottom one that stays stationary has a hole in the middle. You pour the grain in the middle, and the grain works its way out through the millstone in between the pieces. There's some uh, some uh, uh, channels that are carved into the stone so that the grain can work its way out to the outside and when it gets to the outside and falls around the tray it is flour. And so you can mill corn, you can mill wheat, whatever. A millstone. It's, it's by its nature heavy so it will crush the, uh, the wheat. So if you have a millstone tied around your neck you would not be able to walk to the sea. You would have to be carried in a cart. And if you have a millstone tied around your neck, you're not going to float on the surface for a while. You're going straight to the bottom. And that would be better than if you lead a child astray. It'd be better. I think it'd be better because it's over quickly. We're talking about rewards, right? You want to be great? Serve the child. What happens if you lead the child astray? Well, I'm not telling you specifically just yet, but I'm telling you it'd be better if you had a millstone tied around your neck and thrown in the ocean. We're talking about rewards to people who belong to Christ. It is if your hand causes you to sin. And what sin in particular are we talking about here? What is it? Uh, stealing? Uh don't think so. Causing a little one to stumble, for sure. What other sin we might we have in, in view here? What 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 are they all actually practicing? What's the root sin behind leading little ones astray? Pride. Pride. Yeah, they're all lifting themselves up and making it all about me, right? No one in here has a problem with that one, do we? Yeah, we're making everything about me, elevating ourselves instead of serving others. Well, and not only that, we're creating division among the body, right? Because when they're arguing on the road, are they all together and unified? Are they, are they dividing one another? They're dividing one another. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter the life maimed rather than have two hands. Go to hell. So now, if you translate this hell, you see my problem with the word, the translation hell? You got people who belong to Christ, the twelve disciples, in fact, and the, the basic subject is who's greatest and how do you become great and what is your reward, and all of a sudden they're going to hell because they didn't cut their hand off for sin. Is that the way we go to heaven? Is cut our hand off if we sin? Is that, is that the way you do that? They belong to Christ. This is not talking about eternal destiny. It's talking about consequences of sin. You see, this is why I'm saying it get worse. <laughs> because what we tend to do with the, the idea of hell is it always applies to someone else. And here, this is not actually talking about the lake of fire as the place where unbelievers live forever. This is talking about the valley of the sons of Hinnom. Who went into the valley of slaughter? 
Whose bodies filled up the valley of slaughter? Who was it? Israel. Did Jesus cast Israel aside? Let's go back to Jeremiah real quick. Keep your finger in Mark. We're coming right back to it. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29. This is what God says about this horrific event that's about to happen. Chapter 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, they're about to be deported after half a million people die and so many people that that the valley of the son of Hinnom is called uh, the valley of slaughter and they fill it up with dead bodies of Jews. They're about to be exiled into Babylon for 70 years. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, back to Israel. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go to pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now this seems bizarre to us, but God's purpose in this horrific event is to purify Israel of these horrific practices that have polluted the land. Take them off to Babylon. And actually what we know of as Jewish uh, people today was actually created in Babylon. You know, the Jews have a really disproportionate number of geniuses. Uh, That was born in in Babylon. The scholastic tradition, the synagogue tradition, the memorization of the scriptures, the rabbinic tradition, all that was born in Babylon. And it served served, uh, humanity and the nation tremendously ever since. But the message in Jeremiah is, I'm going to bless you one way or the other. Please don't take that path. Please don't take the path through Gehenna. But they insisted on it. So that's the path they took. Back to Mark, it's the same thing. Okay, You can either get rid of sin, set it aside. Does it hurt to set aside pride? Is it painful? It's painful, isn't it? It's as painful as cutting your hand off. Does it hurt to go ask for forgiveness? Or to admit you're wrong, to bring unity back when a group of people are divided? That's about as painful as cutting your hand off, isn't it? Well, the alternative is you either go through that pain or you go to Gehenna. Because the wages, the reward, the consequences of sin is death. Death is separation. So if we want to be separated from the work that God's given us to do, separated from peace and unity, separated from the joy of walking in the Spirit, then all we have to do is sin. And this is the big point of all this, right? It's really a bad idea to sin. It's just not worth it. And God's giving us the most graphic picture that He can come up with to explain this. And He's giving it to His disciples. When these guys here cut off your hand, remember, they were just arguing about who's the greatest, and He's saying, cut off your hand rather than go over there to Tophet. And what's in their mind? It's a valley full of dead bodies and wickedness. Is that what they want? Where is what's going on in Tophet? The worm doesn't die and the fire's never crunched. 
That's the way sin is. You know, in our culture, we tend to think of sin as something you can manage. We're on the highway to hell. We're on the highway to hell. Right? So, it's fun. And all you got to do is just moderate. Sin is something you need to moderate. Well, no, that's not the way it works. It's death. You can't just have a little division. And it's okay. Purge it out. If you've got some something against somebody and there's something you can do about it, go, go do something about it right now. If you've got pride as a hold in your life, uh, go do something about it right now. Otherwise, it'll create massive destruction in your life. You see the picture? If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two feet be cast into the valley of slaughter, into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes cast into Gehenna fire where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. Everyone seasoned with fire. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Why all of a sudden are we talking about sacrifice? What do you do with a sacrifice? You cook it. Yeah, you cook it, right? Most sacrifices are eaten. A few are burned all the way up. Probably don't need to salt that one. You salt the sacrifice because you're going to eat it. You give part to the priest and the rest. You go and you have barbecue with your family. So it's a, it's a celebration. So why do you salt the sacrifice? So it tastes better. And who is happy at the sacrifice? Who's happy at the barbecue? Everybody except except the goat. The goat's dead. He gave his life so you can enjoy. What are we supposed to do? Be a living sacrifice. To give our lives so that God can be pleased. Every sacrifice is seasoned with salt. Salt's good. If the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? So here's the whole point of this lesson, boys. Have salt in yourselves. Please God. And have peace with one another. What were they doing when this thing started? Arguing on the road. Please God, love others. Ever heard that before? The alternative is the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom. It's pretty graphic, don't you think? And you know who went to the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom in this group? At least one person. Remember Peter? After he had uh, rejected Jesus or uh, denied him. Remember what he did after Jesus caught his eye? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what sin brings. Now, is there restoration? Absolutely. There's restoration. Look at Jeremiah 29. Now, how can you get any worse than Jeremiah 19? And then God comes right along and says, I have your best interest at heart. Why did the city put Gehenna out there to burn all this stuff, dead stuff and everything? It was the best interest of the city to get that stuff out of there. You don't want it living by you. 
Absolutely there's restoration. But the point is, you don't have to go there. You can just get rid of it. Just cut it off. So, our first lesson on hell is, if you want to, if you want to translate Gehenna hell, you can. It's hell on earth. And we can invite it into our lives by continuing to sin instead of cutting it off. And the reward we get is death. Death of relationship, death of uh, living a, a life of joy and peace. And who wants that? See, it's pretty graphic, don't you think? Now, it may take me three weeks to do this topic because I got about halfway through what I thought I was going to cover today. So next week... We're going to talk a little about the lake of fire, which I think you'll find really interesting. And uh, just to give you a little preview, I think part of what the lake of fire is about has to do something with the Lord of the Rings. We'll have a nice picture from that. So are you, if you're going to be here next week, we're going to use your considerable, tra- your considerable dra- drama skills for a short skit. <laughs> We may need to use Gollum a little bit. All right. Thanks, God, for this uh, really graphic message. It's not very pleasant to think about because we don't like death and destruction and worms and fire. Uh, But that's a point, really, isn't it, that you've given us, is that you don't want us to have those things. And so you're asking us to make good choices and not have those things and walk in your ways. I pray that you'll give us the wisdom to do that, Lord. Everybody in here, I pray that they'll just think about, you'll bring to mind anything that they're embracing that's pride, division, uh, putting ourselves at the center, not being willing to serve those in our midst who are children, and just bring it to us so we don't have to go through this cleansing of Gehenna. that we can do it instead with the refining fire of your great love that we are submitting to rather than the great love of adverse consequences that you use to purify us. But you know, Lord, thank you for that too. It's so amazing that you care so much for us that you give us this path of growth so that we can become what, you've, what you want us to be. Thank you for all these different chances you give us, all these different uh, opportunities, uh, all, the, all the different um, uh, instances that we get to learn the same lesson over again when we forget. You're just so patient with us, and you treat us like this same child that you held in your arms. It's just incredible. That the love that you have for us and that you look out for our best interests. So God, as we, as we contemplate these, these dramatic negative things, help us just understand that you're just trying to teach us. And it's just like, like, a, like a child that you're trying to get not to touch the oven so they won't burn their hand, Lord. And just give us the insight to see sin for what it is. Not a, not a triviality and not a, a cool thing of culture, but death. And uh, God, I pray that we would uh, embrace that view to the point where we would just just cut it off without a second thought. 
And as a result, God, I pray that this, this room full of people and, uh, and, the, and our body would have unity and joy and peace and service that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.